Danny Skiff with Specialized D. Sanders. Thank you for joining the program here today. It's a Keep America Beautiful Month. And the Crude Life is honoring and celebrating those companies and individuals that are out there keeping America clean and beautiful and the environment and the whole deal. And, of course, the supply chain in the oil and gas industry is a great place to go find examples of how we're keeping America beautiful. And who would have thought, well, I guess some would have thought that, you know, the frac sand industry, look at that. And so we got Danny Skiff, de-specialized Sanders, oh, excuse me there for a second, specialized de-sander USA. Did I get that right? Yes, sir. That's what happens when it's early in the morning. Sometimes you don't have enough coffee and you start jumbling things around and you're wearing, especially nowadays when we're all wearing like five hats at once and seems to be, so I apologize. But uh, let's talk a little bit about how your company is out there keeping America beautiful and uh, cleaning up and making it more efficient for energy companies. Yes, sir. So the, the goal for all oil and gas you know, facilities is to have zero fugitive emissions. And fugitive emissions are gases and vapors that are accidentally released in the atmosphere from a pressurized containment like a vessel. Um, it's not possible to have zero fugitive emissions yet, but you can reduce unnecessary fugitive emissions with planning and correct equipment selection. And that's kind of where we come in. So our vessels are designed to catch sand and remove it from the well stream as it comes out of the well and prevent all the damage downstream that that causes. Um, we are able to do that and reduce fugitive emissions by a very large percent. So what's different about our vessels and the way they work is we don't have to blow the vessel down to see how much sand is in it like any other uh, sand-catching vessel. Uh, other sand separators, you blow it down, they usually start with once an hour and then uh, go down to as much as once every 10 minutes around the clock. Uh, and there's a lot of fugitive emissions created by that because you're blowing that vessel down. Um, we have a case study that we've recently done. Uh, we had a new, new client contact us, unable to control the sand with the cyclonic sand separators they, that they had on location. Um, they had been out on flow back for three to four weeks and were unable to control the sand despite blowing those uh, cyclonics down um, as, as often as every 10 minutes. So we brought out vessels. We replaced two cyclonics per well with one desander per well. And instead of being blown down every 10 minutes or even every hour, um, ours ended up only needing to be blown down every two or three days. So I talked to our engineering manager and asked if he could help me calculate the emissions reductions uh, when he had time. And he got back with me, and uh, we did a case study with the client to see exactly how much we had reduced their fugitive emissions. So at 40 day, 46 days in was when we did the calculations. And we were comparing two, cyclon two cyclonic sand separators being blown down once an hour for the purpose of the equation. Now, it was actually blown down three to four times as many times as that a day, um, but we went conservative with just once an hour. Um, with the desanders, um, we only were dumping them when they needed to be dumped. So we have a scale system that works well in our desanders. We have laminar flow, which is conducing to weighing the vessel with the well flowing through it. Uh, other types of sand separators are vertical, 
they have a small footprint, um, also a lot of turbulence, and so it's impossible to weigh the vessel accurately while the well's flowing through it. But we can determine how much sand is actually in the vessel and only blow it down and empty it when it needs to be done. So for the, the 46 days that we calculated on, the first 46 days we were out on location, with the cyclonic sand separators, they would have been blown down and estimated 13,248 times. That, again, was once an hour when they were actually being blown down much more often than that. The estimated total emissions, methane emissions, was 1.927 million surface cubic feet. So almost 2 million surface cubic feet of emissions. We had the actual number of cleanouts for that time frame with our vessels, which was 115 cleanouts. And so the emissions total for ours was 42,858 surface cubic feet. So we reduced the emissions from 1.9 million to 42,000, which was an, a reduction of 1.884 million surface cubic feet of methane emissions or 97.8% reduction. And caught all the sand, made the customer happy with that. They weren't really focusing on reducing emissions at that point. They were just trying to control the sand that was coming out. Wanted to ask you about the shape of the sand. One of the more interesting little factoids I've learned over the last 10 years is that the spherical nature, I guess, is probably the way to describe it. The more it's shaped like a sphere, the better it is, or the more it's used, or I I can't, I, I don't know the specifics behind it, but I just know the generalities that there are different shapes that are better for fracking, uh, horizontal uh, drilling than, than others. And, of course, you've got transportation uh, costs that, that come into play as well. Up in Wisconsin and Minnesota, uh, sand comes from, and then you've got sand down in the uh, southwest. So it's, it's different how the different shapes and geographies and all that play into sand uh, talk to me a little bit about how that uh, impacts what you're talking about, and uh, does the sphere, does this, you know, the sphere shaped, how does that play into this? Okay, so the the better sand, the more expensive sand, and the sand that has to be moved from farther away to the Permian Basin here is rounder, more spherical. Um, the local sand in that size, and we're talking about hundred mesh sand most often which is uh, 149 microns, very, very tiny particles. The less spherical it is, the more corners or edges there are to break up and the more ultra-fine particles there are created during the fracking process. So it makes it harder to catch. It, uh, we do pretty well catching 100 mesh sand. We're going to catch 99% of it. Um, a lot of other types of vessels struggle with it, and it's really those fine particles created from less expensive sand being used in the frack that causes a lot of problems for the operators. So getting back to keeping America beautiful, cleaning up the planet, demonstrating how the oil and gas industry is, in my opinion, the leader in the environmental innovation movement, wanted to ask you about that word fugitive emissions. This is the first time I've heard that word, actually. And I'm not familiar with that word. Are you uh, capable of giving a more, I guess, uh, advanced 
description of the word fugitive emission? Because I, I honestly, that's a this is the first time I've heard that word. So the fugitive emissions are when you vent a vessel that's under pressure, and, and they calculate it in surface cubic feet, and of course that changes with the amount of pressure that's in the vessel. I think for this purpose they had calculated at five thousand uh, psi. So surface um, cubic feet of methane emissions from blowing down a vessel. So if you're going to do any work on a vessel or dump the sand out of a vessel that's designed to create, you know, to catch sand, um, when you blow it down to a safe pressure to zero, there's a lot of gases that are uh, just vented to the atmosphere. This is really interesting because obviously I've known what fugitive emissions are, but I, I think this this may be the first time if I if I've heard it before I haven't retained it. And the word fugitive, of course, right away I'm thinking about the uh, Harrison Ford movie, right. and and putting two and two together, like oh these are emissions that escape. And uh, for me, I go back to the Davis Refinery with that Meridian Energy Group has been. Um, building now for it seems like I don't know five six years going through the court battles and the state permits and a number of different things. But we've interviewed all kinds of uh, engineers and uh, architects and just uh, environmental uh, individuals, and they were talking about the different bends in the pipes and how all the different ways that we don't think about that reduce emissions and. Fugitive emissions were what they were talking about, really, at the end of the day. That's interesting. Yes. So, yeah. Anyway. They're under pressure, so when they come out of the vessel, they expand. And, you know, there's there's not any way to have a pressurized vessel and and uh, empty some of the contents out without releasing some emissions. And so the goal is to reduce the number of times you have to blow it down. And so that's that's kind of where our scale system comes in. That's its main purpose, is to let you know when the sand in the vessel needs to be uh, removed. And so when we get up to a certain capacity, um, we want to remove it before we get too full and have a chance of carrying over any sand, reducing our efficiency. Um, there's just not another system on any other sand separator that lets you know how much sand is in the vessel. You have to blow it down and dump it to sea. And then with those type of vessels, if they carry over some sand, they just increase the number of blowdowns and dumps and keep dumping it until they're not carrying over sand anymore. I have seen them uh, emptied as often as every five minutes, 24 hours a day on a flowback to try to control the sand. This operator that we did the case study with out here, this was out in uh, the state line area uh, west of Orla, Texas, a ways. And the superintendent there told me that they had been blowing them down every 10 to 15 minutes to try to control the sand. And with our vessels there just replacing, we replaced two cyclonic sand separators with one of our desanders and went from them blowing two vessels down every 10 to 15 minutes to us having one vessel blown down every two to three days. So that's where the significant reduction in uh, fugitive methane emissions comes from. You know, I grew up in the agriculture world, so of course, when you start talking about this, first thing I think of is dust and the way that uh, you know the, the farmers would have to bring their cattle in if it got too dusty because it would kill them. I mean, just 
from a micronic level that dust would get in their lungs and, and et cetera. I mean, dust storms. And so that's uh, kind of what made me think of this is that, um, you know, by, by reducing the amount of uh, uh, dust essentially and by reducing the amount of uh, fugitive emissions, boy, you really are cutting back on quite a bit. Yes, sir. And so our vessel is going to catch the sand uh, as efficiently or more efficiently than any other vessel. It's going to do it with a very low differential pressure, which is good for production. And you're going to have this big benefit of reducing fugitive emissions by over 95%. Well, and that's great, you know. I mean, and I'm sure you got some studies, which we talked about, to back it up and and everything like that. And, and hopefully some people will reach out to you so you can able able to show them. But I think the other part they want to know about, too, is that transparency, that, that governance part. You know, we're talking about ESG, environmental social governance. And we kind of talked about the first two already, but the last part, you know, that transparency and governance part, I would imagine that the world of uh, health, safety, and, you know, we talked about environment, but health, safety, and environment, I believe, is what the government kind of lumps together into one little oversight area. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how that plays into this. Does it at all? I mean, are you guys in communication or o- over, you know, follow that side of uh, the transparency and governance side of, uh, I guess, the new business in oil and gas? Well, it is becoming more of a focus. Um, you can look at social media and most of the large oil producers. That's what most of their social media is about is how they're um, – trying to better their practices to benefit the environment, you know, how they're reducing emissions. Um, there, you know, there's a increased focus on emissions and uh, drilling on federal lands. You know, the, the way things are currently, it's they're, they're slowing down the permit process and everything. And that is going to be a much larger part of it moving forward is um, showing that you're reducing emissions on the federal lands. A lot of the lands that are in the Permian, especially in New Mexico, are on federal lands. A lot of the um, oil and gas leases there are on federal lands. A little different from Texas, where most of it is on private ranches. So there is an increasing focus on reducing emissions. Um, Talking about it with operations engineers and, and completions engineers and everything, they're aware of it. They're starting to focus on it. It is not yet a giant part of their decision-making. You know, we still have to have all the other benefits of our vessel and, and compete with uh, other types of sand separators. It's not just, uh, you know, hey, we'll reduce your emissions by 95%, and they say, great, come on out. Um, it's not a giant piece of their decision-making yet, but it is increasing as that, and the, and most of them acknowledge that that's getting to be a bigger part of their uh, planning and decision-making. What's the message for 2021 that you want people to know? I mean, we're, geez, we're a third, over a third of the way through already. So uh, talk to me about what you guys' direction are going now that we're a quarter way through and what you want operators to know and uh, what you guys are focused on. So we have gained some new operators, and, you know, they – call us and and give us an opportunity for one thing like this operator I was talking about where we did this case study. It was because they were unable to control the sand with the technology they were using. So that was really the big question. Can you control the sand? So on a a six well pad, 
They gave me two wells and said, show us if you can control the sand. We controlled it. They called three days later and said, how soon can we get desanders for the rest of these wells? And now moving forward, they plan to utilize us uh, on all their wells. Um, the environmental aspect of that, they do like. It is important to them, but that was not the decision-making part that brought us out there. It was because we could catch all the sand and, and nothing else they had tried could. Um, as far as me selling this product to completions engineers, operations engineers, and everybody, um, I am getting more interest in that part of it. We still have to prove that we can catch all the sand. We still have to prove that we can provide good data. That's another benefit of the, uh, the scale system that we have is we can give them really accurate data on how much sand their well is actually producing. And they can use that information to know when to release personnel or equipment, other personnel or equipment on the pad. So they look at all of that. They look at the cost of ours. Obviously, ours isn't the least expensive. It's not the most expensive either. But this other piece of it that nobody else can really uh, talk about and claim the emissions reduction aspect of it is really significant when you look at the amount that we're reducing it. How can people contact you, get in touch, or find out more information? Our website is dsanders.com. My email address is dskiff at dsanders.com. My phone number is 432-878-1227. We have a shop in Midland. Uh, We're also operating in the Northeast, Ohio, Pennsylvania, um, West Texas, New Mexico, South Texas, the Rockies. Uh, If you get on our website, you can get contact information for your basin.